Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show with me. And on today's podcast, we are breaking in uh, Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority, our affiliate with 24-7 Sports that covers the Arizona Wildcats to preview this weekend's game against, uh, you guessed it, the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Let's dive into this game on Saturday, and, and it's it's a little interesting, um, to say the least. Arizona's coming off a, a really bad loss um, to Northern Arizona at home. But before we kind of dive into what happened there, um, when Jed Fish was hired, he walked into a program this offseason that has struggled to kind of maintain some traction that a few other prior coaches had built up and then failed to maintain. Um, you know, they, there was some success. Like in 2014, they, they got to a, 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 I think it was a Fiesta Bowl, and you know, they've, they've won some games. But just what's the challenges right now that Jed Fish has inherited uh, in, in rebuilding this program? I think the biggest issue is that really Kevin Sumlin and, and the coaching staff didn't recruit. If you go back and look at the recruiting rankings, um, they're among the lowest Power 5 teams in, in those recruiting rankings. And so – Jed Fish has basically had to come in and rebuild the entire program almost. I mean, the, the talent level, I would say, on Arizona is as low as I've seen since covering the team, which is about like 15 years or so. I mean, it is just um, – it is not an overnight job type of deal. And he had to come in. He has to change the culture. Uh, he has to recruit. And basically everything that he has to do can't be done overnight. The problem is that the the fan base overall, I mean, Arizona's got the longest losing streak in the country. So the patience isn't, isn't really there anymore. And it's a process where uh, it, it really needs to be because um, he really has to kind of rebuild this program from the ground up. Quarterback is maybe a position you talk about a talent drain that in particular, you kind of go, they went and added a couple transfers one of them has started. That's Gunnar Cruz. He was a Washington State transfer. He opened the season. I thought he played pretty well against BYU, based based again on what I watched. And then San Diego State, totally different story. Um, what? How do? You, how, what's kind of the feeling right now at quarterback? Is, is there a player maybe that the fan base wants to be the starter? Like, are they pulling for anybody? Because it is just to give the names for the listeners. Gunnar Cruz started the opener. Will Plummer, uh, the third game, and now it sounds like Jordan McLeod at South Florida transfers kind of in the mix. What's what's kind of the feel down there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird situation because, like, in practice now, so Gunnar Cruz played well against BYU, was really bad against San Diego State. They gave Will Plummer the NAU game, and, Will, you know, they lost the NAU game, and Plummer threw a pick six, and it was pretty bad. And so now in practice, it's between Cruz again and uh, Jordan McLeod, the South Florida transfer. I think the fans are at the point where it was like, all right, Cruz didn't work out against San Diego State, Plummer didn't work out against NAU, Let's just see what McLeod has and go from there. They have a bye after the Oregon game. So I think that people are basically like, you know, let's see what McLeod can do and then reassess after the bye week. And I kind of think that's what Jed Fish is going to wind up doing. Uh, McLeod is at least mobile. He's experienced, more experienced than the other two. So it's like, you know, he came in in the NAU game uh, and drove them down 85 yards for a touchdown. Uh, so it's kind of like, let's see what he can do. And, and if he can't do it, and if he doesn't play well against Oregon, um, you know, kind of reassess the situation in the bye week. I don't know if it would have been that big of a shock if you told Arizona fans at the start of the year they'd be one and two 
on the season. Um, I think that was probably a, a safe assumption considering they were playing San Diego State and BYU. But the, the loss to NAU is probably the the one that even though there is a talent drain, it's kind of inexcusable. Um, not, knowing that they're 0-3 right now, after three games, there, there was a lot of excitement about uh, this Arizona team that Jed Fish built up, whether it was through social media or, you know, grassroots outreach to, to kids on campus or, you know, alumni and, or boosters and what have you during the offseason. But um, once games have started to, to, to be played, we've, we've seen a different product than maybe some were expecting and fair or not. Um, what's kind of the, the interest level in Arizona football right now after three games? Has expectations changed? Is it kind of like a, a, a point where, hey, if you're not careful, you might lose the fan base for the rest of the season? Uh, they may have already lost the fan base for the rest of the season after that loss. I mean, the, the attendance against NEU is the lowest in the Pac-10-12 era for Arizona. It's like 33,000 people. Uh, and then that was for NEU, and then they went out and lost. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like next game. It's going to be lower, obviously. But, um, you know, it, it's the thing where Jed Fish was really active in the offseason. Come out, support the team, did a great job. The problem is you can't do that and lose to NAU. And because what happened was, you know, you lose to NAU and people are like, well, that hope that you sold us is gone because in, in Arizona's fans' minds, they're not winning another football game this year. That may not be true, but it's it's hard to say, you know, we have a vision, et cetera, when, you know, even Kevin Sumlin two years ago dropped like 77 points on NAU. The average scoring in the last five years on NAU, Arizona averaged like 65 points. You went out and scored 19 and lost. And, and so fans um, are just it, – it's inexcusable from a fan perspective, and it's really hard to sell that message. And, and so now I think Arizona fans are at the point where you got to show us something on the field before we come back because um, they're tired of losing. I mean, Arizona's lost for quite a while, and he did a great job. They had a pretty decent attendance for the first game. Uh, the student section's been pretty good. But now it's kind of in, you know, you have to show us some results kind of mode. It kind of feels like he's paying for the sins of those that came before him, like, and being judged off that, you know, and, and being judged off things that he has no control over. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, it, it's almost like, and I got kind of killed for it after they lost to San Diego State because I reminded people, it's like, what do you want the guy to do? Like, he's, you can't fix this in a year. It's impossible. Um, you know, their, their starting quarterback was supposed to be Grant Gannell. He transferred. Uh, they got guys that are, are injured. They got guys starting that are walk-ons. He went out and added like 17 transfers just to have a roster, basically. And it, it's it, he tried to do the one-year fix. It's, it's not going to work. But um, he started to remind people that, you know, it's a process. Like, I never said we were going to be great this year. It's going to take me a few years to, to rebuild this. And it's a situation where, in reality, there's nothing he could do. Yeah. He could probably win a game or two this year, but Arizona was never going to make a bowl game. I mean, Vegas had the over-under set at two. So it's like this team was never supposed to be good, but people are so mad at how the last few coaching changes happened that he's he's the guy that's going to you know get blamed for everything right now. Jason, I, not to belabor the point, but I'm going to, and then I want to switch gears to focus more on this game, but just in terms of like where, how, where would this – Northern Arizona loss, like what's the significance of this historically? Like, is this considered one of the, the low points from a, a loss perspective in, in program history? Yeah. After the, the game, I was in the press box and I asked some, some of the older writers who had been here for a while, 
how bad it was. And the general consensus was you could make a case. This is, it was literally the worst loss in Arizona athletics history. Mm. I mean, it is, it is by far the worst football loss and basketball, you know, when they were good, they never lost a team like any you. And yeah, it is. If it's not the worst, it's definitely up there among the worst. All right, let's let's switch gears and try to find a couple things that are somewhat positive from the first three games. I think one of them being that, you know, you say what you want about the outcomes. This is a team that defensively does force some kind of force the issue. Um, I think they're second in the conference in tackles for loss. They have forced some turnovers. Um, kind of tell me about why this defense has been effective that way. I, don't, I also realize they've given up some big plays because of it, but they're really aggressive, right? Yeah, so you know the whole Doctor Blitz, Don Brown. It is it is what was advertised. He said that they were going to come in here and and be aggressive, and if they don't blitz, um, they show blitz and then kind of attack in different angles, and uh, that's what they've done. And, and they're going to give up the big play because that's just kind of what happens when you blitz so much. But um, this is a team Arizona had uh, like one sack all last season in the shortened season, and they already had more you know tackles for loss and sacks than they did the entire season. Uh, last season and so they're aggressive and I think people can live with them being aggressive instead of dropping back they're not going to drop eight and, and all that they're, they're going to come at you and they're going to put their corners on an island and man press coverage and, and say you know if you can do it go do it and um, there's issues with it San Diego State really got on the edge and attacked Arizona and beat Arizona there because it, you know even though Don Brown is doing that with the defense there's still some personnel holes they're, they're not a very fast defense but um, he still doesn't change the strategy. They're, they're going to come at you, and, and they're going to blitz from kind of all angles. On the offensive side of the football, what's just kind of like – what do they want to be known for? What is their offensive identity? I mean, at Oregon, you know, Mario Cristobal hammers home physicality, you know, a, a downhill rushing attack with a passing attack that can take some big shots. Just what does Jed Fish want this Arizona offense to be like and – I guess, how close would that be on Saturday for what Oregon fans could expect from Arizona? I think that's a, it's a good question, and it's one I don't have an answer for yet because <laughs> the quarterback play just hasn't been there. He wants to be a multiple offense. It looks very NFL-ish, I guess I would say, where um, you know it's it's creative. He sets guys in motions, et cetera. They have a lot of plays. I, I personally think they have too many. Um, you know, Will Plummer, the quarterback in the offseason, told us his wristband had 200 plays. And so it is a, it is absolutely uh, an NFL offense. Um, you know, they'll incorporate the tight end, but it, the problem is that the quarterback play has been so porous that it, it doesn't, it, it's hard to get a grasp against BYU. It was a lot of check down stuff, a lot of one-on-one on the edges, um, but they're not going to be a spread you out type of offense. Their goal is to, you know, get behind center and, and kind of let their playmakers get to work. Um, a guy like Stanley Berryhill, they like to get him one-on-one situations and, and things like that. But in terms of their offensive identity, honestly, it, it's really hard to say at this point because it's it's been difficult for them to establish it. You mentioned we've talked about quarterback play. I think the other part that's glaring from a not-so-good thing offensively is the offensive line. Um, just having watched that a little bit and some of the highlights, it seems like frequently the quarterback has to make decisions quicker than he wants. and the run game just hasn't really been there much. Tell me more about that group. Is, was this expected to be a weakness? Are they dealing with injuries? Why has it kind of been such a struggle? I expected the depth to be a weakness. I don't think I expected the starting unit to, to not be this good. Jordan Morgan is the left tackle. Uh, he's been not good lately. And, and one of that is he hurt his ankle, but they don't have a lot of options. There's not a lot of depth. And so 
Brennan Carroll, the offensive line coach, basically said, yeah, it's tough because he's not really playing well now, but we don't have necessarily someone behind him. And um, Donovan Lai, he was really good in the past. He's battling some injuries, and, and he hasn't been as consistent. Um, really, it's just a unit where um, Judd Fish said something interesting. He said, basically, they're all trying to do their individual job and not work together as a unit. And on the offensive line, you can't do that. And, and so that's the biggest issue they have now is that um, they're kind of getting lost or caught up in their man, and it's just not working right now. And, and there's been some some bright spots. Peyton Fears over on the right side played his best game of the season against NEU, but um, it's just not there overall, and they're not getting the normal push. I mean, NEU was – was playing them straight up at times, and they couldn't they couldn't get any push against NAU, and that's a that's a bad sign. And so, that's the situation where like they're they're not even really recruiting that many high school linemen because they know that the freshman linemen aren't going to be a quick enough fix where they're going to go in the portal. They've already said we're going to go out and get you know five offensive linemen or whatever because it's just the personnel isn't there right now. They only play five or six linemen. Um, they probably like to play more, but it's it's just not there overall. In rebuilding years, it's always you can look at it two different ways of hey, how how bad this team is, how struggle you know the struggles that they've got, um, or some people go to the other end of the spectrum where it's hey, we've got some young guys now that are going to play, or this is a guy that I'm really excited to see down the road because he's starting to play a little bit more and, and he's he's showing potential. Let's go with that. What what are some are these are there any guys on this team that you feel like hey like he may be a freshman right now or a sophomore and he's physically outmatched just because he's not been in the program long enough but give him a year give him a couple years and this is going to be a guy that, that's going to have some potential to be a really good player yeah i i think they have talent at running back if the line was better i, I think that would be more obvious but like against nau they went and they played freshman jalen john um, at running back, and he went out and, and he had the best rushing performance of the season for Arizona. He's a guy, powerful, strong guy. I assume he'll get some carries on Saturday. Um, you know, defensively, Kyan Barnes is a young guy. He has two and a half sacks already this season. Uh, he's a young lineman. There, there's some guys that even if they go and upgrade, they're still going to play on this team. Um, it's just a matter, like you said, where physically they may not be ready. Like Tradon Stukes is a walk-on. Um, they gave him a scholarship. He's the third corner on the team. He's played great, but he's also six foot one seventy five, and like he's gonna—I mean, he's gonna get beat sometimes because he's just not strong enough right now. And, and he's a right. walk, former walk-on. It's just a different story. But um, bars on defense, I, I like a lot. And you know, defensively, they they added a lot of transfers, and so they have some young guys kind of waiting in the wings. But um, you know, the cornerback—I I think Isaiah Rutherford, even though he's he, he's a transfer from Notre Dame. Um, he's still got plenty of years left, all his eligibility left. He's a guy where I think at corner Arizona is great um, with him and, and Roland Wallace. So, I mean, there's there's some talent on the team. It's just that the holes in other areas are kind of too big to, to display that. Just you, you touched on what I was going to ask about next, but just to kind of further that point, the secondary is good, I think, at Arizona. Like, it's, not, it's not a huge weakness, and it's certainly the strength of that defense. And I think at corner in particular, you, you ran through the names I was going to ask about. Has it been just more of an issue in the front seven defensively? Um, again, we talk about how aggressive they are in blitzing. Is it personnel that's not great there? Is it just the fact they do have to sell out and frequently do that they get beat deep? Or, or is it a combination? Kind of what, why have there been some issues? Because I know the opposing point total, aside from the San Diego State game, hasn't been too alarming, but it's still the defense that is 0-3 in, in part because of it, right? 
Yeah, it's it's actually BYU did a great job, and in, in San Diego State did something similar. It's not the corners that are getting beat. So what they're doing is they're basically testing the interior and making the nickel go out and, and cover a guy, and that's where Arizona just doesn't have it. Um, Malik Hausman, for instance, played nickel the first two games of the season. They made a change. He didn't play one snap against NAU. They wanted to move in Roland Wallace to nickel a little bit just to see if it would work, and it was decent, but – then you're kind of taking him off where he's supposed to be. And and so that's where they're really attacking. Roland Wallace hasn't had many balls thrown his way. He has a couple bad penalties this season on PIs that he really didn't need to do. But um, he's the guy where, to me, he could play anywhere. Uh, Rutherford has been solid. I mean, he's not outstanding, but he's good enough. The problem is that after that, that the pass coverage just isn't there. And, and teams have exposed that pretty early. Um, they've tried different options at the nickel, but – um, you know, San Diego State did it where they threw it to the tight end, and they absolutely killed Arizona with the tight end. I think he had like 118 yards and two touchdowns. And so other teams are taking advantage of where that personnel is lacking. But in terms of cornerbacks, um, you know, Roland Wallace hasn't been tested at all this season, really, and, and teams are just moving away from it because there's really no need to. This is a game in which I think Oregon's a 28-point favorite Um there's also a stat out there from a betting perspective uh, that Mario Cristobal is uh, not very good against the spread when he's a double-digit favorite. Uh, I think like 70% of the time opponents end up covering. Um, I'm, I'm going to be flabbergasted to think if, if you think Oregon loses this game. Um, but I, I, So I, my question is, do you think Arizona can cover 28 points or is the talent drain so bad that – Oregon should should steamroll here and cover that four touchdown point spread. My thing is that Arizona can't score right now. I mean, they scored 19 points against NAU. Uh, they didn't score against BYU. San Diego State was it, it just they can't move the ball. And I don't know how you go into Austin Stadium. And even if they start McLeod, he's got experience, but it's still not experience playing at Austin. And so. I don't know how they move the ball against Oregon. And I think eventually what happens is against a team like Oregon, where if you don't move the ball, your defense could play great, but you can only make so many stops against a team like Oregon. I, I would be surprised if they covered. There's no way, like you mentioned, there's no way they're winning this football game. Uh, but I would be surprised if they covered just because I don't know where the points are going to come from. Last one, Jason, and then we'll let you go. Um, if we, I think we're in agreement that we don't expect Arizona to win. I think, I would guess there aren't very many people that expect that to happen. If, if that's not the case, what would be a, like an acceptable outcome? Like what would be an outcome this weekend that would make maybe get the fan base kind of excited about things going into the bye week? Probably just beat the spread. <laughs> if they go out and lose with like three touchdowns, I think people would actually be okay with that because at least it would be like, oh, we went on the road and, and didn't get blown out. There's a thread about it on the message board right now. Like what would make you happy? And people would be are like, relatively competitive, I guess I would say. Like, I think the biggest thing is the offense looks decent. Let's say they lose. Um, it's clear they're overmatched, but Jordan McLeod or whoever it is goes out there and they score, you know, 21 points. Well, that's the season high. So so fans would be fine with it. And um, I just think that there, there needs to be some optimism where they could say, okay, maybe this team could beat a Colorado. Maybe this team could, could steal a win against Washington State. Something like that, as opposed to after the NAU game, it was – Arizona's not going to win a game for another year and a half. And so it's it's just some sort of positivity I think people want to see. Real quick, I want to throw one more in at you. Um, 
I think everyone understands Arizona is a basketball school first and foremost, but um, Arizona could also be a solid football program. Um, what's kind of that sweet spot for Arizona football to please the fans and yet have a good season? Like what, what is a fair expectation? And, and, our, and I guess the second part of that would be just what's the, what would be a fair expectation the rest of the way for this season as well? I think people were, were pretty happy with what Rich Rodriguez did, which is you make a bowl game almost every year, and then you have that one year every once in a while where you you know you challenge for a Pac-12 South title. And they won the Pac-12 South. Oregon killed them in the Pac-12 title game, but you still made that run, and you got some some pub on. You know, People don't expect Arizona to be a top-ten football team. It, it's not going to happen. But if you consistently make bowl games and make a run every year here and there, um, I, I think fans will be happy. In terms of expectations, there's very few people that think Arizona is even going to win a game at this point. That's that's what NAU did. And so I think, you know, as, as long as Arizona breaks the losing streak this season, people will, will generally be happier with, with the result. They'll be okay with it. But if they can't win this season, it's, it's a long way. They're, they're at a conference next season is North Dakota, the number one FCS team, North Dakota, San Diego State, and Mississippi State. <laughs> so you're talking – I mean, it, it could go on and on. So they, they really need a win this season. It is Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.